welcome to the Pirate Parent Podcast. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. I don't have my trusted duo with me today um, to start off our podcast, so I'm just going to dive right into our guest today as far as introductions and really kind of living it up with my buddies. So today joining us on our podcast is Dr. Devin Dahl, principal of Pathfinder Elementary. This is a repeat performance for him. Yes, I got asked back. I'm excited. We talked about it, and we weren't sure. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Just kidding. You did a great job and everybody loves you. You're kind of the face of Platte County, I say. You stop. Stop it. Stop it right now. And then another friend of mine is Dr. Kim Archer. And Dr. Archer is the principal at Compass Elementary, the three elementaries in the Platte County School District. Welcome, Dr. Archer. It's your first time on the podcast. It is. I'm a newbie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so excited. Okay, so just sharing a little fun background information. I've known Dr. Archer for, have we ever figured out how many Um, years? 2000 is when I started. Okay, so 2000, since 2019 years. mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. man. No, we're 20. Old. Yeah, we're on 20. Yeah, 20 we are on 20. Oh, you Devin. started teaching when I did. I know. Oh, that's funny. Oh, so, okay. So, you guys are a little bit younger than me. So, we're going to start off by um, trying to see if there's something that happened in school when I was there that you did not, because this is something Callie and I talk about every time because she's a decade younger than me <laughs> and also, you know, lived a what seems like a more fantastic life than maybe I did at the elementary level. I don't know. Okay. So did you learn cursive handwriting? Yes. Yes. Did you learn calligraphy? No. no. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Um, did you have choir at the elementary level? No. No. Did you, oh, I did, but you had to try out. Oh, I think they let me in the last year, my fifth grade year, because I tried out every single year for four years. I completely, oh, it was a pity join for sure because I can't hold a tune. Ask anybody that knows. I've got one. Did you in gym class have the rope and try to have to climb it and ring the bell? I can't believe you asked that because that's already been on a podcast once. We had a whole discussion about the rope and how that's a form of bullying in itself. It is. I was a little chubbier. I wouldn't say back then because I still am. But I always just kind of hung from the rope for a while. And then just, <laughs> like how far did you get off the ground? Did your feet get off the ground? Yes. Just wrapped around or did you go up like no, 20 just feet? No, wrapped around. Dr. Archer, did you make it all the way up? I honestly can't remember. I can't imagine that I did, but I do remember doing it. Can um, you believe it? It was a we, dead dead arm hang. That's oh, what, yeah. Those that and too. a sit and reach. That's what I was good at. Okay. Here's one for you. On the playground, did you have some playground equipment that you could wrap one leg over and then spin around like a whippoorwill. No. Yes. And I have a crazy story. I won't share all of it, but I got hurt really bad on well, of it. Of course you did. <laughs> I can't believe we let people do this back I'm then. not athletic at all. I mean, seriously, it was off the ground. Our playground was gravel. And if Ooh. you didn't come in with a full-on concussion or, wow. you know, like bloody knee, you were not doing recess right <laughs> back in the day. We Back had in the day. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad I'm. We're kind of in the same era. Mm-hmm. Did you have? When was the first time you had a cell phone, Doctor Archer? Uh-huh. Um, was it? Are, do you mean a bag phone oh, or no. an actual cell yeah. phone? I mean, you got a bag phone. That's like cutting edge. I, I none of. I didn't have a bag phone. I had, I had to phone. wait till there was a flip phone involved. Oh, really? 
I, I got a bag phone um, at the end of my college. And when I got my first teaching job, I got my first like flip phone. Flip mm. phone. Yep. I said it. Flip phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you? Same. Yeah. So you waited until you didn't have any of the like brick phones, no. car phones, any of that stuff? No. Yeah, me either. So did you guys have TV in your homes? Yes. We had TVs. <laughs> <laughs> but I was the remote control. You were. Of course you were. Get up. Turn the channel. Did they thump you on the head like, channel? Yeah. I think they kind of well, did. Because you had older siblings. Yes. One. Older brother? Older brother, older sister. Oh, that's right. I knew that. I guess I had met your sister before. Um, and Dr. Archer grew up in um, a town close to Maryville mm-hmm. and yep. um, has a sister. And um, she's always been – here's the thing I've known about Dr. Archer for a long time. This person has had a job since, like, maybe you were in diapers. You are a very hard worker. <laughs> Well, I grew up on a farm. So, you know, when you had to work, you had to throw hay and do that stuff long before you were uh, driving. And then from 16 on, yep, I don't remember not having a job or at least one, sometimes two. So that's something you guys both have in common. You grew up on a farm as well. Yes. Loved it. Mm -hmm. Do you wish you still lived on a farm? I do. I do. I really didn't learn everything to be a farmer, but it was fun. What was fun about it? I don't, whatever Kim just described doesn't sound fun. <laughs> we had cows, we had some pigs. So just uh, going out, no horses. Hmm. How'd, how'd you get your cows rounded up? Rounded up. <laughs> we, we would just go That's out. Call and it. We call them in and then bring them in and work together. Did you have uh, cattle dogs? No, I was the cattle dog. You never dog. had to move them from one field to the another. I was the and the cattle dog. <laughs> did they itch you behind your ear? No, they did <laughs> That's not. Amazing. Okay. Well, everybody, we're really excited. And um, we are going to bring in our student podcaster next. But before we go to that segment, I would like to see what these two believe is our pirate pride moment. So this is the time where we kind of share something that has made you proud to be a pirate recently. So anybody want to go first? Um, I'll go ahead and jump in. Just today, I had the chance to go to a classroom, and instead of setting a New Year's resolution, they just chose a New Year word. And it was really cool because um, they chose a word that they wanted to focus on for 2020. And with that, I just sat down and just jumped right in the lesson with them. So it was was a blast to be able to, I was a little oversized for fourth grade, but um, just sat down and, you know, work. You were oversized or the word was oversized? I was oversized (laughs) Um, to set up the desk, but able to participate in the lesson and, you know, kind of work through that with the kids. Awesome. Can you say what the word was? My word was focus. That's going to be my word to focus, um, get a little distracted at times and um, just make sure that I'm putting first things first and getting things done. So how are the kids just, now I'm intrigued. So they each picked a different word. Each picked a different word. And then they had to define it or they had to define? They like, had to tell come how it's up with uh, lead measures that they would um, use action steps to accomplish that word and work on that word. Some of the words were like patience, confidence, mm, yeah. healthy. So it's really neat. Cool. That sounds great. I'm I'm excited about that share. I'm going to have to check into that, Doctor Archer. Um. Recently, uh, uh, some of our Delta students at Compass won um, a contest, Battle of the Brains. Mm, yeah, they did. Um, I saw that on Twitter. That was so cool. It, it, w- it was fun to be a part of. It really was. But I think the thing that m- made me proud was I met um, with their teacher, and they have decided together with their teacher to um, share 
the the grant and the items for the grant with all Delta rooms in the entire district. Wow. And, and to me, that is it, it exemplifies what we are as pirates. You know, we're all pirates. We all work together. What's mine is yours. What's yours is mine. And I think that's what that makes me proud because that, that's what we would all want. Oh, that's amazing. That's fantastic. Wow, that I Okay. I That just, I don't even know how you can top that. <laughs> that's good. My pirate pride moment uh, this week has to do with the fact that we started um, our new high school helpers and this semester, they just started this last week. And I've been here 10 years or so. And um, I have never had high school helpers uh, in the office. And there were a lot of reasons for that, mainly because um, there needed to be a purpose. They need to be helping students. Um, but this year at Seagrass, we're really working on accountability partners. And so we have four high school helpers that come over here that are assigned to me. And they actually are accountability partners to upwards of 12 kids in our building. And they check, check in on them every day. They have a plan with them. They, um, it's, it's really been awesome. So shout out to really Mitch and Joey and Emily and Anika. They're doing a great job. So, um, That's really cool. yeah, so it is cool. I'm very excited. They did it. They're doing a great job and it makes me prideful to have a partnership with the high school, um, where kids can come over from that level and really be true mentors to our kids here. So definitely prideful. Okay. So in just a second, you will, um, hopefully enjoy some time with our student podcaster. I'm so excited to introduce you to our student podcaster. This is Riley Peeler. Hi, Riley. Hi. We're excited to have you today. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Are you nervous at all? Yes, I am. <laughs> you know what? You're so good at this. We've been practicing a little bit already, and you are fantastic. You're a natural podcaster. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Riley, you've got two really great people to ask questions of right next to you. And so why don't you start off by asking some of the great questions you prepared for? Okay. Number one is, how did you become a principal? Dr. Archer, what do you think? Well, my path of be to becoming an, a principal was different than I planned, but I started teaching um, in Park Hill. I didn't think I was going to go to college to be a teacher, but um, I quickly found that that was where my heart lie. So I went um, and I worked in Park Hill teaching second grade and fourth grade for 14 years. 100 years. Uh, it felt, well. A <laughs> <laughs> hundred years. You're I, old. I, I, well, she's really Usually old. I think I look old, but right now that makes me feel young. <laughs> um, and so then I um, knew that I wanted to come to a smaller district um, where it was a family feel. And so um, I came up to Platte County and I was an assistant principal at the middle school for one year. I was at Seagrist as the assistant principal for two years. Um, and then I was at Compass as the assistant principal and now the principal at Compass. Cool. And I, um, Dr. Archer and I, we actually, um, we went to college together at Northwest, go Bearcats. And uh, I became a second grade teacher, then third grade teacher, and then really wanted to do some other um, things with education. And I jumped over to Platte County, and I was a assistant principal at Berry School, and then opened up Pathfinder, and I love it. I like the fact that, um, well, I guess your next question, sorry, you can go for it. Okay. 
Number two, what what do you like about being a principal? Um, I'll go ahead and take that one. Um, what I like about being a principal, I just uh, honestly every day is a little bit different. I like the fact that you're always able to help a kid through a situation, uh, maybe help a parent through a situation, and even staff members too. And it's just fun. Um, you know, it's just just so much fun just seeing the kids learn and seeing the kids grow, and then also just uh, the silly things that they say. Yeah. <laughs> kids say awesome things at school. They do. Yeah. They say funny, funny things. We they could make do. a whole show of it probably. I know. We could make a book. We really could. That would be great. Yeah. Um, I agree with Dr. Dahl. Um, and in addition to that, I think um, one thing we all enjoy doing is celebrating um, celebrating with the kids when they reach a goal or something great happens with them. Probably one of the most fun things I do is celebrating with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite. Cool. Um, number three is, what do you look for in a good teacher? Uh, what do we look for in a good teacher? I would say um, that they are just there for the kids, that they truly care about the kids, um, making sure that um, they're looking to help them learn, push them, uh, build a relationship with them. So I know, you know, we all have our, our parents, our grandparents, aunts and uncles and stuff, but then also someone that they can just turn to if they need help um, academically, of course, with math, science, all that stuff. But then also, you know, if they just need, uh, you know, someone to to lean on a little bit. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I say um, relationships with the kids is the number one thing. Um, also, being open-minded to try new things and to keep continuing to grow themselves and helping their students grow. Cool. Mm. Number four is, what do you like to do when you aren't at work? You know I, what? I, I'm going to just answer this for Dr. Archer. <laughs> she, did you know that she went to the Olympics as a curler? Do you know what that is? No. She's a professional curler. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm like, what? She's like, what is that? No, I have no athletic ability whatsoever, even curling. So I actually like to listen to podcasts. Podcasts, and I listen to a lot of audiobooks. And honestly, I spend a lot of time um, at athletic events with my boys or a science Olympiad, those kinds yeah. of things. So my boys take up a lot of time. I have a, a sixth grader at the middle school and a fifth grader at Compass. Cool. Um, Kind of the same thing. Um, my kids keep me pretty busy through sports, but uh, whenever we're not doing sports, just hanging out as family, we play a lot of games. Uh, I like to be outside. I like the barbecue. You like barbecue? Yeah. What's your favorite thing to barbecue or eat? Um, a pork sandwich. Pork yeah. sandwich. Barbecue yeah. pork sandwich. Good call. That. I love that you just said a pork sandwich. It's very specific. Yes. Who cooks pork sandwiches at your house? Nobody. But when I go, <laughs> when I go to. Um, like restaurants, oh, yeah. and they're like a barbecue. I usually order that. Oh, well, give real? me a good recipe, and I'll try it. Okay, Ooh. and then you'll find out if he's a good barbecuer or not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Last question: What's the hardest part about your job? Probably working with uh, Doctor McClure and hey. Doctor Archer. Or <laughs> <laughs> no. pretty difficult. Honestly, the hardest part is uh, probably that there's always going to be some new challenges. Um, you know, things are always changing in the world and changing in schools. You know, every kid is different, so you have to approach them in a different way. Um, and it's kind of what we're going to be talking about today a little bit. But um, I think that's probably the hardest part. Yeah. 
Riley, you know what? I'm going to ask you a question now. Okay. What is your favorite part about being a Platte County Pirate? I didn't tell you I was going to ask that question. Um, my favorite part is being with my friends, really. Like, yeah. Yeah. In class or other places? Or? Like at recess because I don't see all my friends and just my classroom because there's more teachers. But I like seeing them at recess. I can see why because I bet they look forward to seeing you too with that beautiful smile. Yeah. You did a great job today. Thanks for being our student podcaster. Thank uh-huh. you, Riley. Thanks, Riley. Yep. Hey, guys. I wanted to um, share with our listening audience about a training that y- the three of us got to attend earlier in the year. It's been a couple months now. November, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. Yeah, right before Thanksgiving. Yeah, um, where we were going to just get some more information and learn and grow ourselves in how we can best support our kids who are coming in with um, either trauma, um, struggling with regulating their own emotions, um, some of those things so that we have some best practices to put in place in our schools. And it was one of the best trainings I've been to in a very, very long time. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but... Um, I agree, just very practical and just kind of tied in with everything that you've been hearing in the news about the social emotional piece and just things that our kids need and teachers and staff and even parents. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because it's titled restorative practices. So if you get, you went online and you searched restorative practices, there's a whole bunch of information out there. It's used in different sectors and, um, you know, with adults, with kids, uh, with um, it actually originally started, I believe in, in prisons in Australia, as I recall, but Um, but as a way to reform behaviors and see change in yourself. But what they found in those practices and that that research is that really building strong relationships, trusting relationships, provide um, a great platform for all people to be able to um, grow and learn. So what we talked about uh, prior to coming together to, to do this podcast was that, you know, this is best practice for all of our kids. And I think these were things that may have happened, um, you know, throughout our time with uh, parents, with a trusted teacher in our lives, um, with somebody else. And it's been happening for a long time. So this is not new revolutionary information. It's just as a good reminder for how we can grow good human beings when it comes to being able to self-regulate your emotions. And, you know, I, I will say, I think that at some level, our kids are seeking some instant gratification. So if they don't get what they want, or if it's kind of like life's a video game, you know, they're, um, if they don't get the extra points that second, if they don't get the treat that second, if they don't get um, a just right pat on the back, if they don't get the affirmation, then it, you know, these problems that are small seem huge to them and they don't really know how to manage those two things. And so that is one of the skill sets we really want to focus on. Dr. Archer, what did you notice most? Um, what was the first thing that hit you in this training when we went that was a your taking away aha moment for you? Um, I would say there are a couple different things. And the first thing was um, what, we, what you kind of talked about was relationships and that that was the absolute uh, foundational piece to this. Um, Um, I don't want to say program because it is actually not a program. Sometimes we confuse those things, but it's more like an approach or a philosophy on how we um, talk to and and deal with students to help them through their challenges. Um, So um, relationships were key. Um, It talked about how that humans, adult or kids are, are they're happiest whenever um, 
and they make the best changes whenever they um, work through through a problem with a person and they work through the consequences or what they're going to do um, to fix the problem with another adult or another kid rather than having something done for them or to them. Okay. So when you say that, it reminds me a lot of like consequences and punishment. And the three of us sitting at this table, along with the other administrators, um, lead teachers, you know, classroom teachers, parents, we're always kind of uh, balancing punishment consequences. You know, what happens when Johnny throws a fit in the, um, in the store? What happens when somebody doesn't come in off of recess when asked? So we're always balancing those things. So is that what they're alluding to in that statement, do you think? Absolutely. I think um, they talk about what the difference is between um, punishment and consequences. And they talk about that um, often behavior isn't necessarily the same now as it was um, when we were younger. And sometimes we just start, we lean to what we're um, accustomed to. And this is getting you to think about things just a little differently. Um, And knowing that we have um, students who need these behavior skills taught to them. It's not innate. They need um, support in learning these things, just like they need support learning reading or learning math. Um, And we, we have to take the time to help them through that with them to teach them those skills. Um, So punish consequences are done with um, a trusted adult, um, whereas punishments are done to the child. And often the punishments actually, it's, it's, you know, that's, they don't, they don't work in the long term. Sometimes they only work in the short term. Um, Sometimes they're easier. Sometimes these kinds of consequences take more time Um, But the goal is for it to have a longer lasting impact um, in the end. One of the things that I was a huge takeaway that's kind of a good segue from what you're mentioning here, I think, was when they showed a quadrant. And if you're familiar with a quadrant, it's like a four squares backed up together. If you back in the recess days, it would have been like four square. But um, yeah, I was really good at four. Nobody's really good at four square. Let's be honest. I don't know. I was pretty good. Okay. We'll, we'll have a little four square challenge afterwards. Um, but that four square idea, and if you imagine a four square box, that the types of uh, social discipline models that are out there are really kind of fall into four categories as as um, outlined by our presenters. And I thought it was really interesting. It was my biggest aha when I left because it made such perfect sense to me. And as a parent, as an educator, I fall into all four of these quadrants at some point, maybe within a day uh, as a parent. Um, So I'm going to share those four quadrants with you all right now, but um, this will make a little bit more sense about the with component there. So um, those four quadrants really talk about Um, levels of support versus um, levels of control. Um, And so let me put that into perspective. If you have somebody who seeks a high level of control when disciplining or changing behaviors in somebody they're working with, but they're not interested in supporting, that would be called punitive discipline. And uh, punitive discipline um, in the McClure slash Corey household. Um, Cause I, I mean, I think a lot of us mm-hmm. grew up with, there really weren't four quadrants. I don't remember my parents functioning in four quadrants, not they didn't want to. It's just that, you know, you got in trouble at school. Um, the principal called home when the principal called home, there was, you, you didn't want to go home because there was going to be a whole litany of punishments that were going to be associated with it. 
there wasn't a sit down, let's talk about it for 20 minutes and um, really understand where that behavior was coming from because our, our parents expected us to know better. So punitive means um, Johnny runs in um, the hallway. The punishment is um, you're going to stay in from recess. No conversation, no level of support, no teaching of behavior. Okay. So that's kind of old school discipline punishment. Another quadrant that's a little bit further down um, on in the, you know, right below that block would be something that's low on the um, low on that spectrum of um, of control and then also low on support. So right below that would be somebody who's just not engaged. So example of that, Jen McClure at dinner last night on my cell phone, my kids are talking to me and I'm not really listening or hearing what they're saying. And so um, had they done something that they had done to misbehave, which they might have since I wasn't listening, um, I would have just disregarded it because I wasn't engaged with them. So that means I'm not I'm not holding any standards high. I'm not punishing them. And I'm also not supporting them because I'm not engaged at all. It's it's kind of the philosophy of you're just not there. It's neglectful, right? Mm -hmm. So it's neglect, neglect is um, part of that. It's a pretty harsh word really to use. But, um, but we all do it, I think, at some level. Um, avoidance, neglect, you know, you're ignoring somebody, mm -hmm. whatever. Unengaged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right next to that one on the um, right side, you would have somebody who has a ton of support, but not a lot of control or expectate high expectations. So that would be um, what we would consider a permissive discipline style. And that permissive discipline style would be seen in things like, um, um, I'll use the grocery store running situation. Andy McClure takes off running through the grocery store, starts pulling things off and throwing him in the bag and then doing a little dance as he's doing that. And as a parent, I'm laughing. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's so cute. He's hilarious. Come on, let's go. Let's go. I mean, there's, uh, I want you to love me. I want, I want you to know how much I love you and I'm going to accept you, whoever you are, you know, whatever behaviors exist, I'm going to accept you for whatever those are, but there's never a, a, a teaching moment or a level of expectation that's established that sets the bar and higher for that child, which makes it more difficult in life when then they are corrected. So we've all engaged in that. So let's mm -hmm. be really clear. We've all done it. And then the most successful quadrant is that top right quadrant, which is the with restorative um, discipline model, which means that we have high expectations. We're clear about those expectations, but we also have high levels of support. So even though I can tell you my expectation is you come home, you unload the dishwasher, you do 10 minutes of um, reading or homework before we get home, um, before you ever engage in TV, those are expectations at the McClure household. Um, support would be if they don't do it, I might take the phone or the TV so that their choices become more clear. But in the same time, I'm going to sit down and explain why I did that. Also talking to them about why they're not able to do it. Because what I might find out is they don't know how to do the homework or the dishwasher wasn't run the night before. I don't know, whatever it is. So that conversation happens before the consequence is determined because not only am I I'm not going to change it, I'm not going to say, okay, well, then you don't have to do the dishes anymore or you don't have to do your homework anymore. Instead, it's a complete change in you know, how we then have the conversation, we teach the skill, 
and mm-hmm. then um, and then you expect them to do it with enough support. Now, Andy McClure, I love that child, but man, he can't load a dishwasher. <laughs> To save his life. For Andy. Now, I've got to tell you, I'm thinking this kid's a freshman. You can figure it out. So I I used what I would consider a punitive discipline model. And I just said, unload and load the dishwasher. And then when it didn't get done or it was done terribly or the dishes were all in there wrong so nothing got clean, I was like, come on, Andy, you know, like, get her done. Like, go back and do it again. But what I should have done was I should have showed him how I wanted it done I should have had a conversation with them about it. Now I've set the expectation. It doesn't change. I don't want you to do it. I want you to do it right. Or, you know, occasionally I might just do it for them because I get frustrated. Permissive. That's easy to do. Yeah, Very permissive. Easy to do. So all of those things, we fly in and out of those all day long. The same things happen in classrooms, obviously, as well. So that was the big aha for me. Like right now, am I being a permissive uh, principal? Am I being a permissive parent to my children? Um, am I being a permissive um, wife to my husband in the relationship that we have as far as problem solving? So those are all things that, um, that you know, kind of go through our minds when we talk about our relationships with other people and, and then how we determine, you know, discipline for other people. And it, it made a lot of sense to me. Dr. Dahl, what was the big aha for you? you know, kind of go along with that too you mentioned about with people and the with um, portion of that quadrant. It's the one that takes the most time. It's the one that is going to be the hardest because uh, you're, you're, you're teaching it. You know, we should be teaching a behavior um, and, you know, that social emotional piece, just like we teach the academic piece to and not give up. So one of the big things that um, I took away from it was with the restorative practices was it really gives kids voice. It gives them voice. It builds trust. Um, also, it helps develop some of those problem-solving skills so that you're trying to teach them so that next time it happens, they're going to be able to understand what to do or, you know, prevent that from happening. I also talked a lot about, you know, our responses to behavior should strengthen relationships while the consequences should repair harms done. So I really like that. And it gave us something that was kind of cool that I think our teachers are at that point now. They want something. They want something tangible that they can use with their kids. And what they suggested was it's called a, the restorative practices continuum. And it starts, um, you know, on the far left-hand side where it's pretty informal, where it's going to be just either the teacher or the adult, or you can be the kids too, that they're using what's called affective statements. And the affective statements are really neat because they talk about I statements. And these I statements bring in some emotion. So for instance, a teacher during a school day, the kids talk and they may just say, stop talking. You know, some kids that's going to work with, but some kids, they're not going to understand, you know, why does it matter if I have to stop talking or not? So the I statement um, brings in some emotion. So an example of that, if the teacher says, you know, I am upset whenever you're talking because it's disrupting the class and we're not able to go on with our lesson. So then the teacher is able to, you know, share with the kiddo why that was important and why and how it's impacting others. So that's the affective statements. And then it moves on forward, moves a little bit forward to the right where you're involving more people. And these are called restorative questions. And this is the piece that, you know, I've really changed how I'm talking with kids and working with kids and, you know, translating that over to the uh, teachers also. So in the past, whenever a kid came down to my office, we would say, why did you do this? Or why did you do that? So now we're really talking with the kiddos and asking them a question of what happened. 
And just changing that one word of what happened to why, it gets the kids talking. And then you can ask the questions, you know, what were you thinking at the time? And then even get some talking about, you know, their thought process at that time. It talks about who has been affected by the action that took place. And the really cool thing about restorative practices is it focuses on the um, student who caused the harm or, you know, had the discipline referral. But then also it talks about the victim, the person that was harmed, too. Or so, people in a lot of cases. Yeah, sometimes, people, yeah. Yeah, really talking about like that it isn't just maybe, even if it was just one person, sometimes that af- the who, everybody that's affected could be a much larger group of people. Yeah, the ripple effect. Mm-hmm. So, so with that, um, it really starts to talk about, you know, who might be Im- impacted by this. How do you need to make things right? And then, you know, what can we do to make sure this doesn't happen again? But then at the same time, you're talking to the, the, the person or the, the people, you know, you know, how did that make you feel? Um, you know, how did, what was the hardest part of that? And what, what's some things that they need to do to make it right? And then you bring those two people together or a group of people together and you talk through it. Um, you set up a plan for them. So those are restorative questions. And then we haven't got too far into this, but then there's also restorative circles where if you have a problem in your classroom or you have a problem in your school where you're bringing everyone together and you're talking about the problem at hand, you're being pretty transparent about it and you're bringing in some of those emotions. So that was the biggest, I feel, takeaway for me because it really got off the island of, you know, punishment and teaching the behaviors that, you know, students need um, to learn so that they're able to, you know, have those life skills whenever they get into the real world and they have those problems that they're going to be able to fix it. One of the things I noticed that you said in that statement that I think might be um, new information for us and maybe even a little different than how we talk about um, solving problems at times, especially in this generation, it feels like um, I'll use the uh, keyword bullying because that's used frequently with people when there's an altercation between kids um, that it, you know, we immediately try to keep them separated. Right. And that's an interesting concept because one of the presenters said, um, okay, so you have two boys in your family and they get to fighting. One of them punches another one in the face. Do you say, um, okay, well, you broke a rule. You're out of the family for a week. Just like we would do if we, you know, send them out of school for a week. You don't do that. You bring them back in the family. You work through it. You give them a chance to earn the relationship back and repair the relationship with their um, brother or with a family, trusting relationships are there and you you become stronger because mm-hmm. of those things. And I think one of the things that we do so frequently is to keep people separated. And I think we get asked a lot to keep kids separated because it sounds easier. But then if they don't actually learn how to repair the relationship with somebody else, that's way easier to walk away from. If I do something, you know, not so nice to somebody else and I know I never have to see them again, It's actually easier. It's easier. If I have to go in and have a conversation and I have to own my behavior and I have to work to repair the relationship with that person, Mm -hmm. that's a life skill that they'll be able to use forever and actually is much harder and more difficult. Now, I will tell you, there are obviously limitations to that. If um, we're talking about a dangerous situation Mm -hmm. or something else, of course, we have to do what we have to do um, in those situations. However, we're always looking at trying to make sure that we're focused on repairing relationships because that's hard work. That's hard work. And and it's amazing too, because whenever you're, you're having those conversations with the kids, um, I can talk to them from adult to kiddo and 
I could say, you know, here's what you need to do next time. But whenever that other child that was maybe harmed or, or the victim says, hey, next time, can you do this? It makes so much more sense for the student who had the uh, or did, did the action because it's coming from them. They're on the same, um, you know, kind of intelligent level and they're kind of working together to to come up with something that's going to help both of them. I think one thing that I noticed that they really focused on was the empathy part of it. And that's what kept bringing them back together and talking through things. It just, it gives them, you know, an understanding of how the other, how they did affect the other people. And sometimes, you know, you, you were saying earlier, sometimes not just one person, but it's um, several. An example they, um, they gave us was um, when you're um, talking or interrupting in class and the, the teacher does the statements, you know, it makes me feel this way because you're taking time away from the rest of the class. Um, it, you know, it, it's kind of pointing out some of that, um, the, um, that it does have a bigger impact than they realize. Um, the other thing was, um, is sometimes hard for us. It, they're, one thing they were, they were talked about was not having predetermined consequences mm -hmm. because sometimes they can they come up with things are way better mm -hmm. than we would come up with. Um, but that this is definitely an individualized. Like they could not give us any answers or a list to choose from or anything like that. It was definitely um, situation by situation. And it was something um, that you couldn't have a list because it had, it was done with the kid, mm -hmm. you know. For and there needed situation. to be some teaching involved. And Absolutely. obviously if somebody's not open to the teaching or they're not um, interested in it, that's a completely different consequence mm -hmm. than if they're open to learning, they're willing to repair things and they just don't know how or, and you, they need that support. Like we said before, mm -hmm. moving over on that quadrant, giving them more support so that they can make it right. That was a, it was a good one. Uh, any other thoughts right before we sign off today? No, I think um, one of the other takeaways was it just said that all humans are hardwired to connect and they just um, want to build those relationships and they want to be able to, you know, help each other and, and trust each other. So I think that's what we're, you know, the ultimate goal for us um, as educators are to build and grow um, these kiddos to uh, functional and successful adults. Absolutely. So true. So true. Absolutely. It should be an easy job. Let's get right to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, actually, we we are very lucky here that we've mm -hmm. got families that are willing to partner with us and that are interested in their kids' success as well. It's so it's so much harder when it's a solo job or you're working against so many other things. So, uh, Callie and I were just talking about just how interested the parents have been um, in trying to find the best possible solution for their kids over the last couple of years, and that is um, very exciting. And I do want to commend our parents for wanting to do the best for their kids. And I will tell you, from coming from a home that has two working families, as I look at the two of you, two working parents in the home, um, you know, things were different. Phyllis Corey stayed home with me and there was a nice little peanut butter and jelly sandwich sitting on the table when I got home. Um, that was a different relationship than what we may have to do to, in this day and age, to um, engage with our kids. So, you know, technology, working families, all of those things. We're busy people. So taking time to build those relationships is important. And I really think as we've started to use this, that our parents have been um, really appreciative of this approach and really supportive of, um, of um, helping us go through that process of restoring the relationships and what they can do to give back mm -hmm. to the community, um, meaning the community of the school or the classroom, um, or it could be something bigger. But our 
I'm very grateful that our parents have been very supportive of these efforts. Yes, I think that's something, parents out there, you can start now. You know, trust the process. Um, just change. Instead of asking your kiddo, why did you do that? Start asking, you know, what happened? Um, and just That's a good that. point. And let's talk about that just for one second longer. When you say, um, why did you do that? I, I, Since I've been to this training, that's a question I'm trying to wipe completely out. But prior to that, when I asked that question, it was crickets. Because, because you're talking defensive. to, yeah, and mm-hmm. you're talking to a, you know, a seven-year-old, let's say, why did you do that? They have no idea why they did that. They did it because they were mad or because their emotions were out of control or something else. I mean, why does anybody do it? Right. You, mm-hmm. I mean, because you didn't have a rational thought about mm-hmm. it, right? Absolutely. I mean. And then whenever you give them the opportunity to, what do you need to do to make things right? It's amazing the thought process that the kids will go into and they can come up with it usually on their own. You may have to add to it a little bit, but it's it's good because it's coming, it's authentic, it's coming from them and it's very authentic. And I like that the the person who was harmed, whether it's an adult or a child or somebody else, gets to have their say. Absolutely. They get to come in and say, you know what, Dr. Archer, mm-hmm. when you kicked me underneath the table just now, it really hurt my shins. And um yeah, it might take me a couple of days to get over mm-hmm. it. But when it when we do get over it, I'd like for you just not to hurt me. I want to mm-hmm. be your friend. That's that is empowering for people, and that's a great thing. So um, it's it's good stuff. So I it's hope definitely that a shift in the way you think it's about it's a things. paradigm a change big, for sure. Change for sure. Hey guys, you're the best. I love working with you guys. Right back at you. Yes, thanks for having us today. Absolutely, you guys are fantastic. This is fun. All right, come anytime. Absolutely. Would you like to talk about um, any other topics? What would be your topic that you would like to talk about, Doctor Archer? If you just had. Ooh, put just me on a the free spot. mic moment. Oh, geez. Um, songs from the 80s? I mean, it's going to be crickets here for me for a minute. I don't know. I really have to think about that. Dr. Songs Doll? from the 80s. <laughs> Dances Why from the, the 80s. <laughs> college football <laughs> and the playoff system. Why? Oh. I think it needs to be changed. Overhaul. I, just a complete overhaul. Yes. Do you want to go to a bracket system? I would love a bracket system. Okay, isn't that? I mean, I know they. I we know only it's have really four not. teams. We need eight teams. Need a chance for oh, all. Is somebody listening to, to this in. podcast <laughs> that can make a change in that? Please yeah. do. I was okay. thinking educational, but apparently we're. I was going with eighty songs, and he went with football. <laughs> Get on the right page, Doctor. Doctor Archer's got a. She's like a hard worker. That's right. <laughs> she is. Okay, yeah. love you guys. You're the best. Have a great night. You too. Thank you.